A Spotlight on Ghana. Welcome to another episode of Employability Matters, a careers-related podcast where we dive into all topics associated with the world of work. This episode is part of the international series which highlights entrepreneurs who have moved from their native country to start a new life elsewhere. Introducing you to Samantha Barrett-Aqua, co-founder and director of an online tutoring company called Aspiring Minds Academy. Samantha also works as a full-time school counsellor and leadership coach in an international school based in Accra. Throughout her career, Samantha has worked with young people aged 7 to 21 and undertaken roles such as a senior practitioner for the Youth Offending Service and a business mentoring program manager at a further education college in the UK. So let's get started. Samantha, Samantha. <laughs> You know, I'm telling you like virtual hugs from like UK, which is raining and grey today, you know, but I am so happy to see you. You have no idea. I'm happy to be here. I won't rub it in too much. We don't have any rain and my AC is on and yeah. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying the sun. I'm sending it to you virtually. I can feel it, man. I can feel it and I'm receiving it as well, you know. I mean, because Ghana, um, okay, let's start because me and Samantha, we can just get carried away and just talking about what's going oh, on. Yeah. I forgot we've got to be doing a podcast, you know. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. So um, this, I'm going to introduce you to a wonderful woman um, and also a good friend of mine, I'm really proud to say. And um, her name is, well, instead of me introducing, why don't you introduce yourself to our wonderful listeners? Okay, thank you, thank you. All right, so I'm Samantha Barrett-Aqua. I am a leadership coach and a school counsellor here at an international school in Ghana. But I'm also the director and co-founder of um, Aspiring Minds Academy, which is an online tutoring centre. So in a nutshell, that's me. And I'm happy to be here with my wonderful sister friend, Sophia. It's great. I'm happy to be part of your podcast. So thank you for inviting me. No, 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 because I'm telling you, you were on the list <laughs> in some shape or form, because this particular series, international series as part of Employability Matters, really, I really want to capture stories, journeys of people who have left the UK or their place of birth and traveled abroad and set up a business or started a new career role. So you was definitely on my list. You didn't even know it. <laughs> you know, yeah, the ones yeah. You didn't even know it, but your name was there, you know, because I want us to get a journey of your move to Ghana um, and also, you know, hear about your vast career summary as well and maybe provide some insights into the lessons learned or any challenges that you have faced from your switch from the UK to Ghana. Okay, so um, talk us through your career journey, leaving the United Kingdom to Ghana. Okay, so I think my first full-time job was actually um, working at the Crown Prosecution Service. So I always had this um, passion for working either in law, with young people, or in education. So those were my areas. And um, I got a role as an administration officer at the Crown Prosecution Service, and it was a really long journey. I was living in East London at the time, in Walthamstow. And the job was in Harrow on the Hill. So it was like a really long journey going through all these um, zones, paying so much money on transport at the time. Um, But a really good opportunity as a first full-time job. Um, And it even got me to connect and meet someone who would then become my employer here in Ghana. So that was actually a great network. One of the lawyers who... Um, I used to work with there. Let me give him a shout out, Alex Egbefia. Wow. He was a crown prosecutor. And when I moved to Ghana, I didn't know he was actually living in Ghana. And we had kind of lost touch, but we reconnected on good old social media, Facebook, found out he was working here. And then we reconnected. And then I ended up working for him for 
five years, he was the um, deputy chief of staff and I was his um, personal assistant for quite a while here. So that was, you know, a really good example of, you know, maintaining good relationships, you know. So I went from an administration um, role in the Crown Prosecution Service. And while I was there, I decided that I actually needed to go to university. I didn't go to university immediately, um, but that role told me that yeah, I need to go and get my degree. I left when I got my degree in criminology and social legal studies, and then came out and I was, um, I think this was when we met, um, I think there might've been a job before that as a telephone advisor. Um, for, I think they were called the Citizens Advice Line for London. Oh. And yeah, it was um, kind of like a spin-off from the Citizens Advice Bureau, but they were offering telephone advice. So I went in there as an advisor and a trainer. So I used to give telephone advice, but I also trained new telephone advisors when they joined. Um, and that didn't last too long. Maybe I think I was there for maybe a year and a half before I moved to Tower Hamlets College, where I got the pleasure. Oh. The best thing about that job was meeting Sophia. I'm meeting you, Samantha, <laughs> um, I'm telling you, yeah. Um, I actually really enjoyed that role. I was the mentoring program manager, and I used to um, go and recruit mentors, business mentors for our students. So I had a lot of... Um, networking events I would attend to try and recruit um, business mentors who would act as role models for our students because they came from families where they were first generation learners so parents hadn't been to university or anything like that so they missed out on having that role model that many of us may have got in our families um, and that was a really good um, experience for me helping to impact the lives of young people matching them with mentors we also used to deliver a lot of um, employability training courses yeah. at, um, at Tower Hamlets which was I, I really really enjoyed that role um, but I had always also wanted to engage in the um, law in the side of law um, but obviously I didn't do a law degree I didn't follow mm -hmm. that route I went to work for the youth offending service. I worked with Barking and Dagnum, Redbridge and Waltham Forest Boroughs as a senior practitioner. So my role involved um, writing reports for the young people who were about to receive um, sentences in court. And, you know, it was quite a responsible role because you had to make sure you interviewed, you know, all those who impacted in the child's life. So their teachers, carers, parents and themselves and make recommendations as to what sentence you felt they should um, receive, obviously within the guidelines. And again, my mentoring experience came in there because we also had a mentoring program for young people when they were having their, um, their community-based service um, sentences. So we would run mentoring programs there as well. So that was kind of most of my work um, experience in the UK in like a short form. Um, and then I came to Ghana and yeah, I came, I actually started teaching when I first came to Ghana in the school I'm in today. Um, and this is why I would say to people, when you are in a job, give your best, always yeah. put out the best version of yourself because you will be remembered either in a positive way or a negative way. And we want you to be remembered in a positive way. Um, I was able to work um, in the school I work in now in my first role here in Ghana as a history and English teacher. And I did that for a year, but it wasn't really what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be classroom teaching. So I, I left and that's when I went on to do another role, but maybe some, 12 years or 11 years later I've been able to go back to that school and I'm in a role there now that I actually love mm. I feel myself and the school the roles really fit what I have to offer and I get from it what I need I'm a leadership coach so along with the um, IGCSE curriculum that we run for students we run a leadership program where we are building young entrepreneurs Wow. So we, they have sessions in entrepreneurial leadership, they do internships, 
Um, we teach them things like presentation skills, public speaking, um, other leadership um, qualities that we are trying to inculcate into our young people from an early age. And I'm also a counsellor, so I do the, you know, the traditional school counselling that I um, offer our students. And it really is rewarding, especially when you get students who have left and gone on to university and are happy to come back and speak to the younger students and talk about their positive experiences of being part of um, the programme that we run there. So yeah, that's me. That's my career role here in Ghana. And of course, you know, Aspiring Minds Academy is my baby, co-founded um, with a friend in the UK. And um, yeah, that's what we are doing here now. So um, which year did you move to Ghana? Okay, um, right. So I have to measure this by the age of my oldest daughter. So she's 13 and we came here when she was six months old. So I've been here for 12 and a half years. Yeah, 2008, April 2008, we moved here. Wow, yeah. Well, that's a long, long time. So my thing is, what was it like? How, um, in terms of you moving from the UK to Ghana, was it a seamless shift for you? Was it very easy or was there any challenges and what were they? Well, I can always, I can talk about this topic for hours, but I'll try and <laughs> condense my story. <laughs> Um, so the initial plan was that we would move to Ghana just for a year because my husband had a job offer and obviously I had just had my youngest daughter so I was happy to be here for a year maybe a year and a half no intentions of really working I'm just going to enjoy being a mother for the first time and we'll see how it goes so we had rented out one of our properties just in case you know we have somewhere to go back to um, However, the job offer fell through for him, it fell through. And we still decided to come and see how we could make life in Ghana. To be honest, the first year for us, well, for me anyway, was like an extended holiday because we were still living on our pounds. So when we were going around shopping or eating, you know, breakfast at the five-star hotels, we weren't looking at living in Ghana and earning cities, we were looking at, oh, I've got my pounds to spend. We can really enjoy a lovely life here. So for the first year, um, the main challenges in the first year, obviously, was I didn't have any family here. Yeah. I didn't have any friends here. So I was a bit isolated just amongst my in-laws and my husband. Um, and then it takes a little bit of time to kind of get comfortable, to find your way around and huh, dealing with things like light off. Light off? What's that? You know, I say it like everybody should know what light off is. Yeah, what's light off? Well, as it's known in Ghana, Dumso. So they have a challenge with the amount of electricity they can supply to the country. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they load shed. So some areas will have no light while other areas get light. Oh. And when I came, it was a really bad situation. You would have no light for 12 hours and then your lights would come back on for 12 hours while somebody else's in another areas goes off. But this would go on for weeks and weeks. So sometimes you could be without light for 12 hours during the day, or if it's the nighttime, not so bad. I mean, you get really hot, but you don't have anything to do around. But imagine now you're, you need your laptop or you need your phone or your fridge, which has got all your food in it is now starting to defrost and those kind of things. So I had to really change my whole mindset of how to just do my shopping, really. Yeah. You know, freezer like you wanted to because of the on-off situation. And at the time, um, generators were extremely expensive. So we were still managing, like, just dealing with the light off for 12 hours. Um, so for me, that was actually one of the hardest parts of being here because you know we're not used to that in the UK we've been spoiled with continuous electricity so that was a real challenge even more so I kind of jump in a bit when I was doing my master's um, and they were still having this light off problem I'm there I need to do my dissertation I'm trying to write essays and there's no light and my laptop doesn't have that much energy you know so that was stressful 
really, really stressful. So I had to learn how to, like sometimes I'd stay at work later to use the electricity or make sure I charge everything to 100% before I get home. Wow. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of things you have to think about because I was speaking yeah. to um, our mutual friend, Lan Reshonega, and oh, yeah. uh, he was saying yeah. that the thing about him moving from the UK to Nigeria is that if you have a fixed mindset, don't come. <laughs> don't come to Nigeria, he was saying. But if you have a mindset of adaptability, you know, be a bit flexible and, you know, understand that things don't necessarily work the same as they do in the UK, come. Very much so. I think that is it in a nutshell. You have to be resilient. And it was a real learning curve for me because I'm very much a um, planner, organizer. I like things to go A, B, C, D. I know if I do this, then this is supposed to happen. You know, we're used to structures and things in the UK that work, systems that, you know, if you do this, then you'll get that. And it doesn't work like that here. And if you are going to try and live that life here, you'll become very frustrated very quickly. You have to be flexible, you have to be adaptable, you have to be resilient. It doesn't mean that you should, um, you know, let go of your values or your morals or the things that are important to you, but you have to learn to work your way into how life is here in Ghana. And then you'll really enjoy some of those things because it also makes for a more laid back lifestyle the things that um, maybe I thought I missed makes me more relaxed and laid back now. So awesome, yeah. awesome. Because you talk about your first year, you were spending your pounds, you weren't even thinking about <laughs> <laughs> conversion, you know. So from like, you know, month 13 <laughs> onwards, yeah. what was yeah. that like? You know, what was the, like, the next, you know, maybe say five years like for you? Was, was you still learning to transition from the UK to Ghana, <laughs> you know, climate wise as well? How did you cope? Definitely still. The first year, like I said, was like an extended holiday. The next three years, I feel, were the most challenging because now I'm working in the Ghanaian system. I was working as a teacher in a school nearby. Um, and just all of the things that we were maybe used to uh, having been employed in the UK, standards of work, um, work ethic, just so many little things that we take for granted not even coming to talk about the language barrier, although Ghana is the English speaking country, majority of the people speak um, the different Ghanaian languages that exist. So, you know, you have to learn how to fit in and maneuver around that. So the three, I think the years two to four were the most challenging, I think for me, still dealing with light off, learning to maneuver as I'm driving past these really huge gutters and the, you know, the, the <laughs> The, the minibuses that we call trotros that you take as public transport, yeah, that have no respect for drivers on the road. So they'll just stop in front of you without indicating and cut you off. If you are going to take that on board, your stress levels will go like that. Mm. You learn that this is how they drive, this is how they behave. So you give yourself extra time. For me, one thing I really learned and I would advise people, especially if you're coming with children, for example, you know, in the UK, we're used to doing more than one thing in a day. Oh, I'm going to pop here. I'm going to do this. After work, I'm going to come here. Because we have more reliable um, transport systems, um, systems in general. No, throw that out the window when you get here. Plan to do one major thing in the day. And if that goes to plan, you're good. Because traffic is unpredictable. Um, sometimes people, you know, people will tell you they'll meet you at a particular time. And the time you're supposed to meet, they're now leaving home. Um, or you get there at a particular time, say like you've gone for an appointment at the hospital and your appointment was at 10. There's five other people who also have an appointment at 10. So, <laughs> you know, you learn wow. how certain systems work to manage your stress levels because Ghana's a wonderful place. I really yeah. enjoy living here. Mm. Um, it really does take um, a certain mindset to say you're going to make it work here. Mm. And don't have the door open too wide in England or the US, wherever you're coming from, yeah. to run home too quickly. Yeah. Because when yeah. you go back, some people I know like to go and come. But each time you go, 
you're now going to need to, you know, if it's for an extended period, six months, for example, you're now going to need to readjust again, readjust again. Each time you go, you're making that transition a bit harder, but definitely have some money put aside to go on holiday a couple of times a year if you can. So in my first year, I came back to the UK twice. And since then, I've kind of gone, or at least if I've not gone to the UK, I've gone to Jamaica and, you know, recharged kind of thing. So, yeah. That's awesome because we met in um, Jamaica, isn't it? About 2019? Yeah, yeah, 2019. And that was so lovely to see you, you know. After how many years that we haven't After, seen each other? I, I mean, the time when you left to go to Ghana, which was 13 years. Do you know what I mean? So a length of time could be 11 years or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then, right. and it was just so lovely. We was able to spend a lovely day with each other, you know, in Ocha Rios, and it was just beautiful. Yeah, I tell beautiful. you, I salute you, Samantha, I'm telling you. Because one thing, I, I would love to live in another country. I would love to do that. And, you know, when I look to you and what you're doing, you are such an inspiration. There could be people, many people, you know, who want to listen to this podcast will think, do you know what? Samantha can do it, then I can. You know, it's just that extra inspiration, that motivation to say it can be done. You were Mm -hmm. talking about the lessons learned, you know, in terms of that forget about planning like multiple things because Ghana hasn't really got the infrastructure and you're talking about the unpredictability of the traffic. So what other lessons have you learned being in Ghana, living Um, in Ghana, I should say? Living in Ghana, if we're talking um, employment wise, I would say um, learn to be adaptable and flexible, have more than one thing going at a time. So try and be don't depend on one income um, there are lots of opportunities here the salaries you earn here are not going to be on par with what you earn in the uk so let me give teaching for example because i'm in the education field right um, you're not going to earn the same kind of salary um, as you would as a teacher in the uk obviously the standard of living is different and there are opportunities for expat roles which offer better salaries but the norm is they are few and far between. So be flexible in the roles you can do and don't limit yourself to the occupation you used to do in the UK. Because you may come here and see opportunities. That's one thing I would come with an open mind and look at opportunities that maybe you would never have thought of in the UK because we're used to, oh, I've trained in this field, so this is what I'm gonna do. I was trained in, you know, working with young offenders, but it's not what I, you know, have ended up doing. So, yeah, definitely keep an open mind, seek opportunities. Network is so important. You really need to um, just be out there and get to know people and not just other returnees or other expats. Get to know local Ghanaians and, you know, be part of them because that's when you get the full and the real experience of being in Ghana yeah that's so true you know I think that's really good advice um I was speaking to a friend the other day and um we was talking about you know moving back to the Caribbean and how you know um returning say from the UK moving back to the Caribbean they tend to just stick with their own in terms of you know UK US or Canadian returnees because they believe they have the similar mindset maybe background and you know interest so to speak but you are so 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 on point about ensuring that you also have um, a relationship and understanding of what's going on locally because then if not that doesn't it doesn't really give you the full experience of you living within that country. And then you may miss information as well, you know, which could help you in, I don't know, pursuing, I don't know, um, a government project or something like that. But, but if you, if, if your eyes are not on the ground type of thing, then you're going to miss that information. So that's just so important. And, um, we um, discussed about um, you, your career summary. I mean, you worked in youth, attend, um, youth, youth attending. I don't know why I said youth attending. You worked in, <laughs> you know what I mean? 
So we were talking about your career summary and that you worked in youth offending and you also um, was a manager of a mentoring program for a FE college. And you've also now you are, you know, this transferring your skills and your qualities within education within an international school because you said you're a leadership coach right wow <laughs> you know so my thing is I mean now you are the the co-founder and director of a tutoring company called Aspiring Minds Academy so what was your inspiration behind you know establishing um, Aspiring Minds Academy okay um so really, again, that passion for education, for working with young people, um, it was how can I, you know, I just said that we, it's good to have a second income stream or multiple income streams. So that has always been something that I've had in my mind since being in Ghana. I even actually established an after school club while I was here. So you know, like you have in the UK, after school, there's a clubs that sometimes they're attached to the schools as well, that children can go to. They have breakfast clubs, so parents will leave the children there, so they pick them up after work. So I had that concept because I didn't see anything around um, in the community I live in. So I piloted something like that. That was maybe about six years ago during the Easter vacation. So where we live, we had like a, a small space that I was able to use to accommodate um, a number of children during the Easter vacation. So we did like, um, you know, maths and English or um, numeracy and literacy lessons, but it was fun activities. So that was the initial um, drive. And then we would do um, creative arts and fun activities. Mm -hmm. So it gave parents somewhere safe with also some learning opportunities to leave their children during the vacation. So it came from there. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to continue with it because when I fell pregnant with my second daughter, um, I didn't have help on hand to continue to run it. So I said, let me pause on that for now. But it was always some desire that was burning in me. And then um, myself and my co-founder had been discussing different opportunities similar he had wanted to establish something here in Ghana and then we'd been talking about a number of different ideas and then we just I'm not even sure how this particular one became the chosen one but we said okay um, you know here in Ghana a lot of people have um, extra tuition for their children you know we want them to have the best opportunities to achieve and we thought okay how can we offer this service um, and particularly, you know, we're a new startup. So we launched just in September last year in the height of the pandemic, right? So online um, businesses were becoming the thing. Um, so we said, let's take that leap of faith. Let's go with it. Let's see how we can offer this online tutoring as a business um, and, you know, reach out to a wider audience. Um, in particular, we offer, so let me tell you a little bit about Aspiring Minds. So we offer online tutoring to children aged 7 to 18, and we focus on those that are um, delivering or learning the British curriculum. So although a number of our students are in the UK, it can be worldwide because the British curriculum is run here in Ghana, in many other countries. Um, so, but at the moment, we have a lot of students from the UK. Uh, and it's purely all done online. We have some amazing, um, qualified and experienced tutors who we have decided we will recruit from Ghana. Now, because I'm based in Ghana, my partner is actually based in the UK, and we really wanted to offer the opportunity of an income, maybe a little bit above and beyond what they may receive here in Ghana to Ghanaian um, teachers. So we went through a whole recruitment process where we, you know, interviewed potential tutors, vetted them. They had to do a test lesson online um, to see how they actually, because, you know, you can be a really good teacher in the classroom, but the online experience can be quite different. Yes. You have to like, engage your students to keep them, you know, occupied online. And uh, so we were really blessed in being able to recruit some great tutors who are now delivering lessons from age seven to 18 to um, the students we have. So yeah. Um, and then we also are looking to 
deliver um, an African history course. Um, we say African history, um, but for the teachers that will be delivering it, who will be African teachers, it's just going to be a history course. That's right. Yeah. World history, UK, isn't it? It's exactly. world history. <laughs> exactly. It's world history. And um, another course that we're going to be delivering that we're um, just planning at the moment is language courses. So we're looking at some of the West African languages. So forgive my pronunciations, like Iroba and Tree and Ga and Fanti are some of the languages that we're hoping to deliver online in a course. But what we do have running, and we actually had our first session today, was a um, online financial literacy course for students. So, and this was a free course, is a free course that we were offering. And we felt that it's an area that we need to instill into our young people from an early age. You know, many of us have grown up in the UK with debts from university, car loans, unnecessary credit cards, those kind of things. And some of it's because we are not or were not financially literate. So we felt that it was an important thing to offer to young people from an early age. So we've got two different um, courses. One, well, same course aimed at different ages. So for the lower primary and then um, lowest, yeah, primary and then upper secondary. So um, yeah, that's one of the courses we're running for free at the moment. It's awesome, 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 awesome. Like tick, 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 you know, <laughs> seriously, because one of the things that I just love that you're doing is that you are thinking of the child as a, as a whole, isn't it? Holistic exactly. approach. You're thinking about the basic um, English curriculum, the maths and the English and the sciences. And then you're also thinking about history. You're talking about black history, world history. And then you're talking about financial li literacy. That is mm -hmm. just amazing because you're thinking holistically, you know, how are we to develop and yeah. improve the child so that they're able to make a positive contribution in the world that is just so 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 great and another round of applause you started this in during the coronavirus pandemic yes we did yes yeah. so I was actually um working from home at the time so like I said I'm a leadership coach and um, a counsellor but all the schools in Ghana went online from March. Well, I say the international schools and those that were equipped to were delivering online. So the public schools didn't have any learning going on at all. So um, for some people, the time was just for them to kind of, you know, take stock and relax and just try and cope with a really challenging time. I was able to kind of get this buzz of, okay, what more can I do? What can I do? And was able to work with my partner to develop Aspiring Minds Academy. And um, yeah, during this crazy pandemic that we're all experiencing right now, so. Yeah, as I said to you, you know, hats off to you. And especially during the coronavirus pandemic, a lot of people have been using this time in a productive manner you know, to set up businesses that have been on the back burner for like decades or years and thought, you know what, now is the time to do it. So how has the coronavirus pandemic impacted or affected your business right now? Because um, it's an online business, it hasn't really had a detrimental effect to us. Of course, we're a startup. So we're in that phase anyway, where we're learning, testing, seeing what works, checking out our market. So I think that's a plus because we were expecting any challenges that come, we kind of expected them anyway as a new startup. But also the UK, you guys are back in lockdown, right? Yes, we so are lockdown number three. Sorry about that. We've been able to offer, um, you know, our services for a longer period because now students are at home during the day, whereas they may have only um, signed up for extra tuition after school hours. Now we're getting some of them that want tuition during the day. So that has been a good thing for us. That's been a positive. We've been able to offer discounts on our tuition um, fees during lockdown. So please go to Aspiring Minds Academy on Instagram and Aspiring Minds Academy on Facebook and you can see our offers for tuition and also the financial literacy course. Um, yeah, we also share some um, thinking about the lockdown and the experience that some parents and children are going through while the children are at home. They're still getting work that they have to submit. 
parents are having to work from home. So it's a real overwhelming change in how we, you know, just are day to day. So we've been doing some things like offering tips online as to, you know, how to motivate young people for learning, how to encourage them during this time. You know, we plan to add other tips on, you know, how to be um, self-reliant, how to have resilience, even things about um, mental health and well-being for young people during this time, you know, which is um, a challenge for all of us. So when you check out our Instagram page and our Facebook page, you'll be able to see some tips for parents to, you know, help their young people during this time. You know, I follow your um, Instagram page, um, Aspiring Minds Academy, isn't it? That's yeah, on Instagram and I just love your postings uh, especially in terms of how to keep motivated um, during this time and I think I saw a recent one which is about that and it was just such great and um, relevant information which is very timely you know and is needed for parents as well as people who may not have any children but could share that information to somebody else you know which 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 I have done so it is awesome so make sure you know aspiring minds academy website aspiring minds on instagram too um we're going to move on because I want to talk about your entrepreneurial skills Samantha <laughs> yeah you are an entrepreneur I'm telling you, you are an entrepreneur and I want to highlight which you feel are the top three skills um that you are displaying in terms of um setting up your business aspiring minds academy so what do you believe are the top three skills that are needed um to be a successful entrepreneur okay um narrowing it to three all right I would say <laughs> isn't it there's so many there's so many there's books being written you know and no. everything like oh my gosh how to do three. Yeah. <laughs> I would say initially there needs to be vision you need to have a vision of where you see yourself what you want to achieve um and what legacy you want to leave behind so for me having the vision maybe I didn't call it vision initially, you know, when I was thinking about the things I love to do and what I want to achieve, maybe I hadn't coined it as vision, but now in my years of experience and kind of, you know, um, having set up Aspiring Minds Academy, definitely have a vision and write it down. Oh, yes, write it down. That actually brings me back to um, a book that you gave me, Sophia. Oh, you gave me a book and I think it was called Who Moved My Cheese? Oh. Years ago. I don't think you remember. Yeah, I think I was leaving um, Tower Hamlets. It's just come back to me. You gave me a book called Who Moved My Cheese? And I can't remember the author, but it's a very famous book. And you wrote um, a scripture in there for me. And it was about, you know, writing yes. it plain, um, though it may tarry, it will not be yes and I tell you maybe you don't know the impact of that small gift and that passage in there but it's something that has stuck with me till today so let me just interrupt that top three and say thank you so much for that because yes even if you're not religious having a vision is essential and um yeah so that's my top one in you know how to be what the skills you need as an entrepreneur. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, that just came back to me. I remember that book. Oh very my well. gosh. And when you said cheese, I'm thinking, I was, I'm trying to go back to remember what the front of that book looks like. You know, I can't remember, innit? <laughs> you know, I can't remember. It's a very that. small, kind of a thin book, very quick read, small chapters. Um, I can't remember, I think it might have been a green cover, but I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. Um, Awesome. Awesome. One of my key things is that definite scripture, whether you're religious or not, is Habakkuk 2, verse 2 to 4. Yeah, write the vision down and make it plain. But though it may tarry, it shall always come to pass. And that for me... It just gives me the drive, gives me the push, you know, just to keep on going. But it's important for you to know what the vision is and to write it down so that you can always reflect and refer to it. You know, am I still on path? 
you know, keep on going back. Oh, yeah, that's what I wanted. So you don't yeah. swerve to the left or the right, but you remain focused type of thing, you know? Awesome. Yeah. And entrepreneurs, they need to be visionaries. They need to see the future, you know? And for any point in time that they feel that they've gone to the left or to the right, they need to go back to their vision or their mission statement and check in with that, isn't yeah. it? To see, do you know what? We're not hitting this. We're far from it. What is it that we wanted to achieve again? And as you so clearly said, you know, like leaving a legacy, what is a legacy that you want to leave here, you know, whilst we pass? Awesome. I'd love it. I 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 love it. Are there any other skills? Because you said um, in terms of being a visionary, but do you think there are any other in terms of being a successful entrepreneur? I would say, obviously, passion. There has to be some passion for what you're doing because it's not easy, especially if you, you, if you are used to having worked as an employee for the majority of your life, you don't have to worry about what happens after 5 p.m. or before 9 a.m. But as an entrepreneur, 24 hours a day, it's about you. Everybody's looking to you. It is your business. It is your project. You have to be the self, the self motivated. You have to be a self starter. Um, and when it gets becomes challenging, that's when the passion is going to have to continue to drive you. That fire in your belly, you're going to have to reignite it. Maybe yeah. by going back to your vision to reignite the passion to get over the hurdles of the challenges that will no doubt come. Um, so be passionate about what you're doing. Um, and it will make those challenging times easier. Um, and then I would say resilience kind of ties in with that as well. Yeah. Especially if you're going through a period where business maybe is not um, picking up as you would like, or maybe even just working with your partner and you've got differences in ideas, you know, resilience will kick in. Sometimes you want to get home. I mean, for me now, I work full time, but I'm also running aspiring minds which is becoming more demanding sometimes I come home and I just want to throw my bags down I won't want to talk anymore I've been talking <laughs> yes. in this leadership class all day this child is not paying attention you're trying to engage them you're talking about goal setting whatever and you want to come home and just chill and no. relax you know Netflix and chill drink some coconut water and just kick back but your business is there waiting for you to, you know, keep, keep on keeping on. So resilience, make sure you are resilient in all you do because, yeah, you'll bear the fruits later, the hard work in the beginning. And I'm sure as a startup, we still haven't seen some of the challenges that have yet to come. So I'm speaking from a place of privilege at the moment because it's not been too challenging. But um, yeah, so those are some of the you know, the areas I would say, you know, make sure they're in you before you start. Awesome. Awesome. That is really, really good advice, you know. And if people are thinking about, you know, moving from the UK to Ghana, would you say for them to come, 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 come? Would you say? Oh, them? I would say come, 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 come. But before <laughs> yeah. you come, <laughs> yeah, before you come, because, you know, in 2000, was it end of 2019? Was it the year of return? Oh, yeah. our year of return. Yeah, because last year was just a blur. Mm. So the year, yeah, 2019, the year of return. So Ghana was put on the map again. I say again because it's always been on the map, so right? True. But um, there was that big drive of encouraging Africans from the diaspora to come home. You have the right of return. And I would not discourage anybody from that at all because... Ghana is a beautiful place. It We've is. spoken a little bit about the challenges. Mm. And obviously, in hindsight, there's certain things I would have done differently before I came. Right. Um, but before I came, some of the things that were important to me, obviously, because I had um, a young child, I was really concerned about health care and about education. You know, again, education is my passion. So yeah, I want to opportunity you know, good education. And then healthcare, we're used to the national health um, system in the UK. Um, so make sure you plan how you're going to manage your health when you get here, because we don't have that same kind of national health um, system here. But also 
come with an open mind, come with a plan. Don't think that all of the challenges and the things you don't like in the UK, you can just dismiss them and come here and live how you please because there is a culture to respect. Yeah. There are laws and rules still to respect. So it's not as easy as, okay, I'm going to say get lost to the West. I'm going to enjoy free life here in Ghana. Mm. Um, I just wanted to add something there a bit um, topical actually, because obviously the coronavirus pandemic is impacting Ghana. And I know also is impacting the UK and you've had lockdowns. And I know there have been some maybe stories or things going around about, oh, you can come to Ghana, there's no restrictions. Um, you don't have to wear face masks, blah, blah, blah. I've seen some irresponsible comments going around on social media. Mm. But if you really love a country and you say you want to come and, you know, if you, if you, are a, if you want to come and make a difference here, come and do the right thing. Yes. So, yes. yes. We do have laws and regulations about wearing a face mask. There, as anywhere, you have to enforce them. So some people are not following the rules, mm. but majority are. So when you come, like anything else, um, be respectful of the culture. Mm. Even if you don't follow it, be respectful of it. But have a plan and have a backup plan and have a third plan. Um, this is coming from someone. <laughs> this is coming from someone who's used to A, B, and C running a certain way. Things take a lot longer than we're used to in the UK. You know, certain processes can take a long time. Um, we may be used to just going to um, certain government organisations and having things done. Maybe your driving license or renewing your passport, or the things that we take for granted. Yeah. Uh, Things have improved, I say, because I've been here for 13 years now. So maybe the challenges I went through then, I know now people can come and get their driving licenses quite easily. You know, the mm. processes have improved a lot. Um, but still don't expect UK standards in that way, you know. I think that's and, great advice. Yeah, exactly. And enjoy the other benefits, you know, the great weather, the oh. beach is that kind of thing so we forgot that because what are the what are the benefits of living in Ghana you know benefits. oh and sorry another thing network so do your research if you know you want to come and you want to be in a particular career so I always go back onto the education field because that's my field you can research the different schools different universities while you're in the UK you know, reach out to maybe people that you know here, create networks, join Facebook groups, join. There are Facebook groups, there are WhatsApp groups. You can find out the pros and cons, the challenges some people have gone through and how you can maybe avoid them, you know? Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's so much preparation you can do before you come. Don't just, you know, yeah. throw the towel in and come. I mean, you wouldn't do that normally anywhere else. So you know, same applies in Ghana, plan. Exactly. And if you want it to be a success, it is very wise as if you plan and then make your, you know, think about what date or year that is that you want to travel and to, you know, is what you done. You came out for a year first, you know, because a yeah. husband had his job for a year and just to see what it was like. And then look at that 13 years down the road and you're still there. Okay. Amazing, yeah. amazing. Because I remember the year mm -hmm. of return, 2019 mm -hmm. I remember Steve Harvey and all those you know black celebrities will be going out to Ghana but I was like I was there before I went yeah. to Ghana about 20 yeah, years ago <laughs> yeah, you even arrived in Ghana you saw Ghana before I did oh my gosh and I tell you that trip to Ghana went with my good friend Alison that trip left a lasting impact on me you have well you know because you're there you're living there because we done the trip, you know, we went to Fort St. Jago and we went to Elmina Castle. But when I was able to go back through the door of no return, that was it for me. That was it. When I came back, I said, right, setting up, I can. And that was it. That was it. That was it. That was it. It just yeah. needed that one trip for me to realize who I am. Yes. You know, who my ancestors were, their resilience, their strength is in me, is flowing through me right now. So I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I need to go out there and make a great and big difference, yes. you know? Yeah, my return, yeah, it's an experience that, 
if you come to Ghana, you have to experience it. You can't explain it to someone. No. You have to experience it. And if you don't leave there changed, touched, or asking questions, then I don't know. But mm. it's an experience indeed. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Amazing. So I want to highlight a bit more about your directorship um, on Aspiring Minds Academy. And um, thinking about the work that you currently do, I know you said it's just a startup and you've just started up during the coronavirus pandemic, but what are the yeah. things that you really enjoy, what you do, um, and the, any downsides, any challenges so far within the, your current role as director of Aspiring Minds Academy? Okay, um, I actually enjoy having that um, creative license, if I can put it that way, the decision-making process, creating something how I want it to be, obviously with my partner, but it's how we want it to be. Um, I don't know, there's just something really freeing about having that level of decision-making and that you know, impact and creating, just even developing our website and going through the process of how we wanted it to be and how we wanted um, you know, our brand to be. I really enjoyed that process. Um, and of course, meeting the tutors. So seeing the, the whole interviewing process of talking to the tutors and finding out what their passion is and their interests and seeing how they you know, have this joy of teaching. Um, I also tutor on the program as well. So as a startup, I do some of the tutoring. And although I, because in my current role, I don't um, teach typical lessons. I do leadership lessons. So we do things like um, goal setting and um, health and well-being and uh, lots of different um, sessions that we teach, right? Um, but with this one, I'm, with this ch uh, child, I'm teaching maths. And it was just um, nice to be able to engage with a young person, for them to grasp the concepts and then to be appreciative of that time you've spent with them. Mm. And it may be one hour a week, but that impact, when you get the feedback to say, oh, this young child is now more confident in their lessons and you know they really have in engaged and grasped that concept, you feel like, okay, I'm making a difference. difference. So, so many different elements of Aspiring Minds Academy that, you know, bring me joy each day. The development of the website, the meeting the tutors, thinking about how we can really impact young people today. Um, all of these areas I've really enjoyed doing. So um, to say what I find challenging or difficult, just having the energy to do that additional work in addition to my full-time job and my other full-time job as a mother. Mother, you yeah, know? <laughs> you forgot that one, yeah. You yeah, forgot that one. That one. <laughs> you know, new projects so now. Project running that, you know, where ju I'm juggling, um, wanting to put in maximum effort into all, because when I commit to something, I want to make sure I give my all and do my best. Um, so that can be quite exhausting and I'm learning to manage my time better and also to delegate more um, especially with the household duties oh, yes. <laughs> uh, you know I'm delegating um, it also makes me um, relinquish a little bit of control because I'm a little bit of a control, control freak, oh, <laughs> yeah. I remember because you said you like your planning a b and c you know, <laughs> you know that already yeah. right so that has now you're in Ghana you have to be a bit more say open-minded you know yeah yeah you know yeah. appreciate the help allow the help to come yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and i'm excited about um the future of aspiring minds academy in the next um five years where do you see aspiring minds to be what other projects have you got in the pipeline oh wow okay so we've spoken about that you the... can share though that you can share because there's one that is out there that I'm not ready to share yet but um, let's just say maybe we would have some international you know facilitators somehow impacting in aspiring minds you know branching out in different avenues so that's one you know up there 
but also obviously the financial literacy courses, the language courses, um, and being, you know, more of a household name for online tutoring. You know, we want to be able to impact as much as possible when it comes to um, raising the achievements of young people and showing them that, you know, they can, they, they have the ability, it's the possibility is there. Mm. Um, and improving our online presence, you know, at the moment, our website is more information wise, but, you know, we could possibly uh, introduce certain content to our websites, maybe I'll be interviewing you on my podcast. Uh, that would be amazing. I'll say yes, yes, <laughs> yes again. So <laughs> look out for the Aspiring Minds Academy podcast. Yes. You know, bits and courses and things. Yeah. That would be so. amazing. As soon as you said that, Aspiring Minds podcast, I saw it. Yeah, exactly. I saw exactly. it. I can see it. I can <laughs> so see it. So it's there in the future. Awesome, because yeah. I love the name Aspiring Minds Academy. You know, what, what, um, how did you and your um, business partner come up with the name Aspiring Minds Academy? Okay, so it was really something that I had thought about a while ago. The Aspiring Minds was something, you know, we want to encourage, we want you to aspire to be the best that you can be. We want you to elevate your mind so it wasn't actually a long process of going back and forth with the name actually we were able to agree on that in quite a short space of time and I think it really fits in what we hope to do as a holistic kind of um, educational provider not just the online tutoring at, you know that we are known for at the moment so Awesome. Awesome. Samantha, you have provided such a great insight and you provided relatable advice about people who may want to move from the UK to Ghana, because that's why this podcast was created, you know, for people who are living the experience to provide informal advice and guidance about their situation, you know. So one thing, say that again. I was just saying I'm happy to be of help. Any nuggets of, you know, advice that are useful, it's, you know, more than welcome. I'm happy mm. to share. It's good. It's good. It's good. And the thing that has really stuck out to me is the importance of not thinking that you can do things, many things in the day, because I could have from six o'clock this morning, gone to Tesco's, come back, do my fit to fight class. Now I'm interviewing you for the podcast. And then maybe at three o'clock, I'm going to pop to my mom to see how she's doing. Do you know what I mean? But you said to me that, no, <laughs> you have to think about because predictability of the traffic, you know, unpredictability yeah. of infrastructure as well, you know, so just yeah. think if you can just do one a day, that is great. And, you know, be happy and contented with that. It's, it's okay. <laughs> it's the culture. It's, it's okay, you know, and it's hot, you know, you don't want to be rushing around too much. So. That's it. That's yeah. it. You know, we forget about all those things and all those things we need to acclimatize and just adjust to. So I'm thinking, you know, um, advice that you would give to your younger self. If you look back and you reflect on your younger self, what career advice would you give to your younger self? Don't limit yourself, Samantha. Mm. Don't limit yourself. I tell you why I say that. I always used to apply for jobs that I knew I could get. I didn't stretch myself enough. I didn't challenge myself enough, you know? you look at the role, you look at the grade, you think, oh yeah, you look at the job spec and I can do all of that. But I feel that I limited myself too much and I should have just stretched and stepped out of my comfort zone more. And maybe I would have accelerated in different areas a lot quicker and gained um, more experience earlier on. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, don't, don't limit right. yourself because when I look back now and I reflect, um, yeah, I, all the jobs I applied for for a long time, I would get them. Yeah. Which meant, I don't think I was really challenging myself enough. Mm. So step out of your comfort zone and yeah, don't be afraid to receive rejection. Just look at how you can now grow and develop from that advice mm. or that rejection um, or that feedback. Yeah. So. 
that is the great yeah do you know what i say the universe is a limit you know that's even better isn't it the sky is too low the sky is too low yeah the sky is too low yeah you know and you know what you're so right about you know operating in your zone of uncomfortability and that Mm -hmm. stretches you you know like an elastic band continuously being stretched you know and that's the way but you know some people fear that fear operating in that because of failure but I never see it's a failure I always see it as an opportunity of development you know and moving forward seriously but um as we're coming to the end unfortunately (laughs) I could go go for another hour that can't be an hour already I've only just started yeah yeah (laughs) getting warmed up isn't it you know my goodness part two sign me up part two yeah part two isn't it um let me get my diary out you know no I'm just thinking about um how would you sum up your experience living in Ghana for like 13 years you know if I think about myself 13 years here in the UK the past 13 years how would I sum up my experience during that 13 years that you've been in Ghana do you get what I mean and I would say for me it has been um transformational yeah it has been transformational in terms of um being open to more opportunities um, um allowing people to see um my inadequacies my the things that I feel are a challenge to me I'm allowing people to see them type of thing you've made yourself vulnerable that's the word I've made myself vulnerable that is it okay. that is it for me some of the past 13 years I've made myself vulnerable because I remember um a colleague and turned friend of mine said to me what um how I was like maybe about 15 years ago I was a bit maybe rigid I was you know not very open (laughs) type of thing um I was told that I was reminded of a like a head teacher you know very down the line type of thing yeah Yeah, very similar yes very (laughs) down the line you know and it's got to be like this and I didn't swerve you know but now when they're speaking to me there's like flowers and daffodils and roses and they're like oh my gosh I can't believe this is how you are type of thing. And I said, yeah, I'm sort of like growing and grown into myself and, you know, shown my vulnerability. So for me, that is exactly how I would sum up my 13 years. But how would you, you know, uh, you know, a quick word, how would you sum up your 13 years living in Ghana? Um, looking at, I used to say that it was like a roller coaster ride, but, you know, in one word, Ghana has been rewarding for me. It has been rewarding um, in so many ways. It has um, exposed me to a different way of living. Um, it has exposed me to a whole new culture. It has, um, you know, I've done so much. I became a mother and my life is completely different living in Ghana compared to when I was in the UK. So. It, all of the positives have totally outweighed um, the challenges. And I would say my um, relocation to Ghana has been rewarding. Mm. And as a person, I have, I'm comfortable in me. Yes. I just feel very comfortable in me. Yeah. No pretense, no having to be a certain way because I'm in a particular environment. I can be myself. And that has been rewarding yeah awesome i love it thank you so much samantha thank you you know director of aspiring minds academy it's been such a pleasure and thank you so much for popping by and saying hello (laughs) all the way sunny ghana you know yeah thank you for flying me into zoom it was great being here <laughs> um I've loved every minute of it and I would love a part two. We have um, to do a part two. Uh it was been it's been great reconnecting like this. Um even though we stay in touch anyway. Yes, yeah. Um, happy to be part of your podcast series. And um yeah, thank you, thank you 
follow us on Instagram, Aspiring Minds Academy, and on Facebook, Aspiring Minds Academy. And the website is the same, www.aspiringmindsacademy.com. Hey everyone, this is your host Sophia Lewis and thank you so much for listening to this episode of Employability Matters, a careers and job related podcast where we dive into all topics associated with the world of work. Thank you for subscribing, I very much appreciate your support and remember to share with your family and friends. It would be appreciated if you could leave a great review on our YouTube channel, Anchor FM, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. I will be back next week for another great episode. So until then, remember, employability matters.